Hey friends, thanks for joining in on another episode of Cast the Word. Today I want to talk to you for a few moments on the topic, Do It Again, Lord. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. I want to talk to you for a few moments today on the topic, Do It Again, Lord. And I'm pulling this topic from the scripture found in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, and I'm going to read it to you in the NIV translation. And it says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And I'm really diving into the phrase, repeat them in our day. And I want to take you guys down a little bit of a history lesson here to really highlight the fact that we, as a body of believers, must pray for for the Lord to do it again. And what I mean by that is, Lord, send revival again to your people. Send revival to this nation, to this world. We need a spiritual awakening in the world today. So I want to take you on a little bit of a history lesson. I'm going to go back to the 1940s. Um, In 1940, there was a theology professor by the name of Professor Edwin Orr who taught at Wheaton University. And one day, Professor Orr decided to take his students on a field trip. And they decided to go to England and visit some historic religious sites to basically just further the study in their class of just great revivals of times past. And one of these locations that they visited was the home of a famous reformer by the name of John Wesley. Wesley helped usher in a spiritual renewal movement back in the 1700s. He was known as a man of prayer. Wesley interceded for revival to sweep through England, and he even prayed for revival in America as well. As Professor Orr and his students made it to their destination for that day's studies, they toured the home of John Wesley. The class made their way through the house and eventually came to the most intimate part of the the home, which is the bedroom, the bedroom of the great reformer, the great man of prayer, John Wesley. And as he was known as a man of prayer, they made notice of the place next to his bed where Wesley would pray for hours at a time. And it was significant to to make note of this place because next to his bed, you could still see the divots in the carpet that were literally worn out from where Wesley would kneel and pray for hours a day, crying out, for a national and an international spiritual revival. Now, Wesley would sit in this same spot with his knees on the carpet and hands and head on his bed, crying out to the Lord for hours and hours at a time, asking, you know, God, send a revival, send a revival. Can you you just imagine this picture, how long and how consistent that Wesley's prayers had to have been for there to eventually be a spot in the carpet where you could literally see the impressions of his knees. So the class made notice of this, and they they talked about it, and eventually continued on their tour. And the tour came to an end, and the students eventually loaded onto the bus. And Professor Orr noticed that he was missing a student. 
they got on the bus and he made his way through the bus counting heads and making sure all of his students were there and noticed that he's missing someone. So he went back into the house and searched from room to room looking for this missing student. And Orr then made his way to Wesley's old bedroom. And there over the bed, he could see the missing student, the young man's hands and his head peeking out from the other side of the bed. The young student had his knees in the same place where hundreds of years prior, John Wesley had his knees. And he was sitting there praying. This young man, this young student was praying. And as Professor Orr made his way closer to the student, he could hear the student praying, Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. And Professor Orr stood there for a moment and heard the student again pleading out to God, Lord, do it again, do it again. And would you do it again with me? Listen to that prayer. Not only, Lord, do it again, but Lord, do it again with me this time. Use me this time. Such a short prayer, just a few words, but yet the power of the words that were prayed were so significant. And they reminded me of the scripture in Isaiah 6, where we read in verse 8, the scriptures say, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Our cry must be, Lord, do it again and send me. Do this revival again, Lord. Let there be another spiritual awakening in this country and and internationally. And Lord, when you bring this revival, God, use me. That must be our prayer today. If we want the Lord to do it again, if we want the Lord to bring a spiritual revival, we must pray with passion. We must pray with consistency. We must pray with longevity, and we must not give in, nor can we shut up. So kneeling down and placing his hands on the young student's shoulder, Professor Ord whispered in his ear, Son, it's time to leave. Everybody's on the bus, and we're about to leave, but I noticed you weren't here, so I had to come back looking for you. Slowly, the student who was a young Billy Graham, rose to his feet, arguably forever changed from that moment on. The prayers of the righteous still avail much. The prayers of passion still catch God's attention. I believe it's these kind of prayers that cause the Lord to shift in his throne and maybe be moved with compassion by our compassion. We must, as the people of God, if we want the move of God, if we want lost souls running back to church, if we want to see healings and be saturated in God's presence, we must return to a posture of passionate prayers. That exceeds the prayers of, Lord, help me get the bills paid. Lord, help me in this next project that I'm working on with at work. Lord, help me come through this season that I'm in. And, and trust me, I believe the Lord wants to do those things. And, I, and I'm not in any way trying to take away or diminish those type of prayers. Those prayers are important. In fact, sometimes the best prayers we have is, Lord, just help me. Help me overcome. Help me go through this situation I'm in. But There are those times as well where we must go beyond that. We must press in a little bit deeper. We must call out a little bit longer. We must press in a little bit stronger and with a little bit more passion and just pray, God, 
Use me. God, send a revival. Lord, take out of me whatever is hindering me from progressing. Lord, decrease me and increase you in my life. Lord, help me get over whatever hindering sin may be separating me from your presence. Lord, help me to overcome whatever temptation that is tempting that the enemy is tempting me with at this time. That must be our prayer, deep calling unto deep. I'm talking about entering in just a little bit deeper. That's the type of prayers I'm talking about. I'm talking about the pra- saying prayers that last longer than five minutes where we hand God our laundry list of things that we need Him to do for us. We, as a body, we must mature beyond asking God to do our will and instead say, not my will, but thine be done. We should mature beyond looking to God's hands in a sense of, Lord, will you give me? Will you help? Will you make? And instead start searching for his face. We've got to call upon God first with the spirit of faith because Hebrews says it's impossible to please him without faith. And then trans- transition to the mindset that Jeremiah the prophet declares in his book in chapter nine or chapter twenty nine, verse twelve rather, it says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Billy Graham recognized something on that field trip and was moved by the prayers and by the compassion and by the longevity and consistency that the reformer John Wesley had done hundreds of years prior and was moved by the evidence of the prayers that Wesley offered unto God just looking at the carpet. That in and of itself showed a young Billy Graham of the passion, of the longevity, of the consistency that he was willing to sow into his prayer. And we get so busy as a as a people now. Well, I'll speak for myself. I get so busy as a as a father, as a husband, as a person with a full-time job, you know, it's hard to carve out time and and pray. And we read about John Wesley and hear that he spent hours upon hours praying. And it's easy for us to say, where's the time to be able to devote that type of prayer to, to our Lord? But whatever we must do to carve out time in our day, it, it's up to us to do it. Who else is there? Who else is there calling unto God but the righteous? We are the church, and it's time for the church to rise up in prayer. It's time for the church to rise up in compassion and to seek out the Lord. And Jeremiah said in his book that we will find the Lord when we search for him with all of our heart. It doesn't say we're going to find him when we say a quick five-minute prayer every night before bed, or say a quick five-minute prayer every morning when we wake up. No, we've got to devote time and consistency and be, you know, not be so quick to give up. We've got to press in. And this story, when when we think about a spiritual revival, when we think about another great awakening, you know, it's not through the short prayers that we see these type of revivals, we see these pioneers, these evangelists, these uh, soldiers in the Lord that spent and devoted time and hours into prayer. And and it's that type of uh, prayer, I believe, that moves the Lord. And that's what we must strive to get to again. Then we shift to another 
uh, great revival back at the turn of the 20th century, back in the early 1900s, we read about a man named William Seymour who ushered in the Azusa Street Revival in, in Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles, California, back in 1906, I believe the year was. And if you read about that story, you read again that that great revival that ushered in many um, lost souls brought into the kingdom and many great moves of God and healings and all all the glory of the Lord that was shown during that time, during that revival, you read if you read and research that story, you find out that all of that started because a young man by the name of William Seymour was committed to ushering in the revival through prayer. The church as a whole consistently prays, you know, Lord, send the glory, Lord, send a revival, Lord, send lost souls. But the question that we must reflect upon ourselves is what are we willing to do to foster an environment that brings those lost souls into the kingdom? What are we willing to do to foster an environment where the Lord's presence is welcome? And it it really, it always points back to prayer. What is our prayer life like? Leonard Ravenhill once said, no man's life is greater than his prayer life. You know, what's what's your greater what's your prayer life like today? What's my prayer life like today? That's something that we must ask ourselves. You know, if if we ask ourselves and say, Lord, we want to see a revival and we commit to that publicly and say, Lord, send a revival, then we have to you know, reflect on ourselves and say, what are we doing to prepare the way? What are we doing to create that uh, opportunity? And, you know, Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will, hear, will heal their land. So, you know, there's a if and then uh, scenario there. If my people would do all of these things, pray, humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, repent, and you know, do all of those things to seek out the Lord, then will God hear from heaven. So, you know, this this story and, and so many more like it that are out there has really convicted me um, to really reflect back on my prayer life, and it's something that we as a body of believers must never neglect to do. And I know it's hard, especially, you know, if you have a family and, and a job, you know, that in and of itself carves out a big chunk of every single day, and by the time all of that is put to bed, uh, the work day's over, the children are in bed, you know, we're getting ready for bed or whatever, the last thing we want to do is, is uh, you know, spend hours on our face in prayer, and that's just natural, you know, human tendency. We, we're worn out. We want to go to bed and, and get prepared for the next day. And it's just go, 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 go. And that's just the the way life is right now uh, for many people, uh, for most people, I would say. Even if you're retired and your work days are behind you and, and your children are grown up and moved out of the house, we all know that there are things that keep us busy each and every day. And uh, the, the thing that we have to just be conscientious of from a spiritual perspective perspective is that the enemy always likes to throw distractions in our face. The enemy always likes to, to remind us that we should be preparing for the next day. We should be, you know, fit, finishing that project. We should be doing X, Y, Z. You you fill in the blank. You know your story. You know of all the things, you know, that we could be doing uh, to prepare for the future or to uh, fix whatever's going on right now. And by the time, you know, we do all those things, 
Um, we find out that the day's over and we have nothing else to do but go to sleep or just maybe we just want to relax and just sit down and chill for a few minutes before, you know, it's time for bed, whatever the story may be. Um, that's, that's natural life. That's just how things are, but we cannot neglect prayer. It is so important. And, um, if any of us are hungry for lost souls to be saved, if any of us are hungry to see another move of God, to see, to, to have a move where our children can see a move of God, you know, and, if we want to see the supernatural, if we want to see God, you know, restore health and and healings and all of those things that you know, in in my personal beliefs, I believe are still applicable for our day, then we must reflect on our prayer life. And um, you know, Billy Graham, who is known as you know America's preacher, um, who ushered in a great revival back in um, the '60s, and and you know, is is very well known. He was the the president's preacher, and um, all of those things. You know, all of that. And I don't know. I, I'm not going to advocate that I know a lot about Billy Graham's history, but I know this story, and I know he was a young man, and this was back in the '40s, and it was right before um, he came to his prime time. It's it's easy to assume, I could say, that this particular visit at John Wesley's home change his life. You know, I, I don't, I'm sure that there are books out there. I'm sure that there are testimonies from maybe Billy, um, Pastor Billy about some of those things. I, I don't um, claim to be an expert, but I know this story and I know it gripped me that when he saw those divots in the carpet from, from John Wesley, from, from, you know, centuries prior, from a hundred, 200 years prior, he was moved by that he was moved by that devotion and that prayer, and and it convicted me because Lord knows I don't spend hours a day praying, and I'm sure a lot of us don't. But you know, maybe we don't have hours a day to pray because we have to do our jobs and and make sure that we have food on the table for our family and we have responsibilities. And I believe the Lord understands that. I don't think you know me. Uh, Going over this message today isn't advocating for anybody to quit their jobs and and uh, sit uh, on their face praying all day, but we can give back to God our time. And the biggest sacrifice, you know, we're not sacrificing lambs anymore because Jesus was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world, and His blood covered from now until eternity future. You know, we don't have to do those things anymore that we read about in the Old Covenant. Praise God for it. Praise God for the blood of Jesus. But what we can sacrifice is time, and that is the best sacrifice that we can give right now in the uh, this dispensation that we're living in, the New Covenant, the sacrifice of time, to devote time back to God. Whatever we can give God, you know, Whatever our capacity can allow, I believe God knows our hearts. I know God knows our hearts. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the on the inside. God looks at the heart. So God knows our hearts. God knows our circumstances, and it's all about sacrificing and giving to Him. When when we offer the sacrifice, that's when the fire falls. So I pray that this encourages you some today. I pray that this little story encourages you to to reflect on our prayer life. I know it did me, and I pray God do it again. Do it again, Lord. Send another great revival. Send another spiritual awakening to this country. Whatever country you may be living in, if you're in America or somewhere internationally, pray right now. God, do it again. Send a revival to my country. Send a revival to my 
state. Send a revival to my province, to my city, to my town. Send a revival to my home. And first and foremost, Lord, send a revival to me. Awaken my spirit, Lord. Awaken my heart, God. Decrease me and increase you in my life, Lord. Help me to be a better prayer warrior. Help me to pray with diligence and with fervor. Help me to pray with deepness, Lord. Help me to go deeper. Help me to not just pray, Lord. Help me, bless me, and keep me. Help me to pray deeper prayers. Deep calling unto deep, Lord. Let the spirit groan, Lord, and and be able to utter those things which I don't know what to pray about, God. God. And and when you send the revival, God, start with me. Use me. Let me be a catalyst. Let me be a leader. Let me be a torch bearer, Lord. Let me be let me be the one carrying the torch in front of the in front of the people to to usher in a great revival for your glory. And God, that must be our prayer. Help us, Lord. Help us where we're weak. Help us where we think we're strong and maybe we're not. Humble us, God. Help us to seek your face more. Help us to look for you in your face more than we look to your hands, God. Convict us, Lord. And that that's my prayer, and I hope that's your prayer as well. Again, I pray that this blessed you today. It, re- it definitely convicted me when I read about this, and, and I wanted to share it with you guys friends, stay strong in the faith, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Amen.